As many of you know, we are in the middle of a series called Summer Baggage. And what we're doing is we're looking at four different things that maybe we have allowed to creep into our life, into our heart, into our soul that is distracting us from being the Christians God has called us to be and possibly could have taken root and become something that we need to get rid of. And so it's time to lay those burdens down, to unload the baggage. I think I've told this story before, but I remember uh, beach trips. Many people like going to the beach, right? I enjoy the beach in the evenings, uh, but it's just something about sand, salt water, and sun that just doesn't mix. It's beautiful. I love the sound of the waves. But whenever you have small children, you have to take out, rent one of those pods, you know what I'm talking about, Uh, and, and take all this beach stuff with you boogie boards, lawn chairs, umbrellas. I've got redheads. We don't, we don't go umbrella. We have a full tent, okay? And, and so we get it all out. We're lugging ice chests. We're, we're taking sandwiches and snacks, and we get down there, and whenever you have small children at the beach, they want to go stick their toes in the water for a few minutes, and then whenever they get hot, they get bothered. And whenever they get bothered, then the parents get bothered. And then we get to take all that stuff back inside after a couple of hours, right? Has anybody else gone through that? I can't wait until all I have to worry about is a towel I get to take to the beach. Maybe I'll enjoy the beach more then. But, you know, we, we look like we're just loaded down and, and we, we have all this stuff that we're taking. And, and honestly, I probably would. If I didn't have to carry all that stuff, I would probably be okay. Some of these things that we're talking about in this series are like that. It can ruin your whole experience. It can skew the view. And you are worried about having to find a parking spot and get the kids where they need to go. And God forbid if you have to change a diaper while you're at the beach, right? It just changes your whole perspective of the beach. And what has happened is Christians... We've allowed some of these things that we're talking about to creep in and change our whole perspective, our entire experience for church, for faith, our relationship with God, our relationship with each other. It skewed the truth and what's right in front of us. Today, we're looking at fear. And we're discussing exactly what does fear do? Does it change who we are? Or more importantly, does it change how we view God? Or even more important, it does our fear change how others view God? The truth is, we are more fearful than ever before. As Americans, there was a survey put out by Chapman Survey, and it was in 2019, and it said Americans are progressively more fearful today than they were before. But yet, we have more abundance now than we've ever had before. That we are more fearful now than the generation that went through the Great Depression, that went through the Great World Wars, who had their sons drafted for Vietnam. We are more fearful now than we've ever been. How has it shaped who we are and how is it shaping how we see God and our relationship with God? In 2019, the the biggest fears that were mentioned the most was, and obviously they didn't come to Mississippi, but it was uh, pollution, 
We have the cleanest air probably in the nation, but pollution. Untrustful or wrong politicians, leaders doing something wrong. And lastly, it was that a loved one would get sick, seriously ill. Those are the three biggest fears. If we took that poll today, it would be completely different. It would be completely different. Maybe the politics still in there. But, you know, I hear people, they're afraid that we're going to have to start wearing masks again. And what you don't realize is I talk to so many people, and they come into my office, I'm just afraid they're going to make us wear masks again. And then the next person that comes in my office and says, I'm afraid they're not going to ask us to wear masks again. And, and what we're doing is, is we are living in such a chaotic place that we can't see people for who they are anymore. It happened to me at Walmart. I was walking in and the poor lady was tasked with telling me that I needed to wear a mask into Walmart the other day. I thought, this poor lady, you're going to have a long day. Because my first reaction was, no, no. I, I don't have one with me. And I said, I'm just going to get one thing. Can I just go in and come out? And she said, well, I can't tell you not to go in, but I do have to tell you to wear a mask. And as I was walking out, I saw just a line of people, and she has been told by somebody that she's going to tell each person to wear a mask. And right now, in the climate that we live in, would you want her job? It changes the whole way we look at things. What I have found is that most fears, and I'm not talking about those fears that are fleeting, that just happen in a moment, someone jumps out and scares you and says boo. I'm talking about the fears that are long-lasting and seated in your heart and in your soul that last a long time, it turns you into someone different. I have found that most of those fears are rooted in the lack of trust. That we don't trust what they're telling us. I don't trust the politician. I don't trust the government, the IRS, whatever it may be. When have we become such a trustless society? I, I, I find people all the time, they, they talk to me as a pastor and they don't trust the church. They don't trust the church. How do we change this? Because the truth is, it is shaping who we are, whether we know it or not. The absence of trust is just one aspect that causes fear. There are plenty others. When will we take, as Paul says in Philippians, do not be anxious or worry about anything. Exchange your fear for peace. So my question is, is fear the absence of faith? I think so. But here's the deal. We may have some faith, and so we're not as fearful about some things. It's on a continuum. It's, it's on a, a continuum of where our faith is and what we are afraid of. I'm afraid, and we have two expecting mothers in the congregation right now. I'm sorry. I'm afraid to raise children in our culture right now. So if it's not the church that can come alongside us and say, you're not in this alone, because that's the second aspect, the lack of trust and the feeling of loneliness. I'm carrying this alone. Nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody can be there for me. 
if you're a part of a congregation in the body of Christ, nobody in this room should ever have to say that. If we're willing to admit what we're afraid of, where is our fear? You know, in uh, Psalm 23, and many preachers don't preach from Psalm 23. I'll have to do it soon because it's almost become cliche. I hate to say that something in Scripture could become cliche, but we've got it printed everywhere. We say it all the time. It's, it's one that we know well. But sometimes because of that, something that's that familiar to us, we miss certain things. But the part of the, the psalm where it says, as we go through the shadow of the valley of death, I will fear no evil. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. There's a couple of things to notice there. Death is there. Death is here. Death will always be here. But the shadow of death tells us more than that death is present. That is probably one of the greatest fears of so many people. But think about it. If we are in the shadow of death, what have we allowed uh, to happen with our fear? If you fear death... We've allowed that fear to stand in between us and the light. That's why there's a shadow there. And what we must know is there will be times that that shadow will cast on us of any fear, not just death, any fear that you might hold on to. But the point is the light never leaves. That's the whole point of the psalm, is that the shepherd knows what the sheep is about to go through. And so he makes every provision for his sheep to prepare them for the journey, knowing that they have to go through the valley to get to the other side. But the light never leaves. But our positioning to the Father or to the light is what determines the shadow and where we are in respect of that shadow. Don't allow fear to get in front of the light in your life. And then lastly... We must acknowledge that there is the presence of God that never leaves us. God, Emmanuel, never leaves us. We no longer live in a place where we have to go to a tabernacle and ask a priest to intercede for us. We no longer have to go and buy a sacrifice that simply covers our sin. Instead, we go to Christ, our mediator. And he says, not only am I going to cover your sin, I'm going to take it away. But yet we are so fearful. Time and time again in Scripture, what does Jesus say to the disciples? Do not be afraid. That's like telling a child not to be scared of the dark, right? It's hard. It's hard. If you're afraid, don't think that you have failed in your faith, but just know that maybe there might be your fear in the way of God showing you the light. So we need to reposition ourselves. If our greatest fear is if we wear a mask, remember there are people that Bonnie's going to see that they're afraid that they may not get a meal in three days. If your greatest fear is that you might have a, a, a car accident, remember there are people in this world who are tr afraid to walk three miles to work through a jungle where there are rebels that could attack their family. Sometimes what gives us the most fear actually is the best blessings of our life. Some people are afraid they're going to lose all their money. 
be thankful that you have some. Instead, see it as an abundance of blessing and turn it away from the fear. Don't be afraid, but instead, see where the light is showing you to go. Where's God calling you? I want you to read with me Psalm 139, verses 7 through 12, and Amy used part of it, 11 and 12, for the children's sermon. But the point of this psalm is that regardless of what's going on in your life, the presence of God is with you. And the church should be there with you too. And so don't think you have to journey alone. It says this, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same for you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. May you find presence of God in your fear. And may you remember this, God is always there for you, no matter what. How do we see God through fear? How do others see us in the midst of that fear? Let us point to the light. May we point to the blessings. Let us pray. Holy God, we give thanks and praise for the opportunity we have to worship you. Lord, so many times we take for granted how good things actually are and help us to be mindful of those situations where there's so much brokenness, so much pain and heartache. And may we count those blessings and not be afraid to be who you've called us to be. In your name we pray, amen.